Welcome to a very, very special episode of Run Meets World, because we are talking about the Hamilton podcast. Alexander Hamilton, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we also have a guest with us today. Hello. It is my sister, if you guys remember from earlier, my sister Z. Uh, she is a teacher, and she just saw Hamilton for the first time. Is that correct? Yes. Well... Friday. Yeah. I've seen it at least three times since, but yeah. <laughs> Respect. And so tell us what you knew about Hamilton. Like, what was your first experience like? Why'd you wait so long? Even though I told you to watch it, like, give us, <laughs> give us the run. Well, um, I just, it's, I actually have a question. Is this a Hamilton that everyone's like always trying to get tickets to, or is this just like Disney version? Does that make sense? Yeah, this is the same one that everyone was always trying to get tickets to. <laughs> yes, uh, just the original cast, like the original cast that started it in New York. And if you buy, if you listen to the soundtrack, if you stream the soundtrack, you're going to be listening to those same voices. Wow, okay. So, yeah, I've always, like, heard of it and wanted to go, only because, like, it, it, it's clearly something if Hamilton tickets are, like, hard to get. So... I've always wanted to see it. I didn't know too much about it other than I know who Alexander Hamilton is, being a social studies teacher. So the first time I watched it, I mean, jaw drop. I don't want to say I, I don't want to go ahead, but the rewind part in general, like it just blew my mind that literally we watched them rewind everything, replay it back. And there was no cut and action. Like it was just, it was phenomenal. And then, like, the the way it told history, but in a way that was entertaining and in a way that kind of was like you had no choice but to pay attention. Like, you put the subtitles on just so you can make sure you have every word, but not because it was, you couldn't understand them. It was just, like, you wanted more. Like, you wanted, what more can I get out of this that they're already getting, giving to me? Like, it was amazing. Like, you just wanted to feed off of it. That, that, I'm telling you, I've told everyone that I've ever knew have seen High School Musical because I know you like musicals. And if you haven't, then look at this because you will now. Yeah. Um, T, you, you want to go ahead and give us your first response? Yeah. I mean, first impressions of Hamilton probably for me go back to like 2008 um, when I saw a video of Lynn Manuel Miranda, the writer uh and star of the show performing the opening number at the white house poetry jam that the obamas hosted and so at that point he just had the alexander hamilton the first song of the play um and it was just a, a piano and him doing it by himself and from that moment on i was like wow someone made history cool someone used rap right. and broadway in a way that i have never seen them intertwined before. I mean, I, I was familiar with Lynn's previous musical, In the Heights, which is also a hip-hop kind of musical. Um, 
but not like this, not like where I'm seeing dialogue from like four different people and it all rhymes. And it's like, almost like, and it's tricky with Run DMC, how one rapper says one thing, the line and another rapper follows up with another. I had never seen that to drive a story forward like that. So I was just instantly captivated. And then obviously when that soundtrack came out, I just listened to it nonstop until I eventually saw the touring cast in San Francisco in 2017. Oh, you did get to see them in person. Yes, 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 yes. I, I got to see, it wasn't the original cast, but it was, it, seeing it live just helped m- like fill in a lot of the gaps that the soundtrack wasn't able to pull. I mean, I don't know, Siege, if you listen to the soundtrack at all, but there was so much that I missed. I have little details that made such a huge impact. The entire last number was lost on me until I saw it live, so. I actually got introduced to Hamilton because of TC. TC sent me like a clip of Satisfied um, on YouTube, and it was like it was a it was a stolen piece, or like a you know like a someone had snuck in and did a little recording of Satisfied when they weren't supposed to, and TC sent it to me early on, and I was blown away. Like Z said, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" The moment we do rewind, I knew nothing about the play other than this moment in time where I saw someone on stage reverse everything. And then also I got, I got the emotion, I got the history, I got everything that I was supposed to get from this number alone. And I was like, I needed, as Z said, I needed more. Like I was immediately enthralled by this. And by that time, the soundtrack had been on Spotify and I just like did a deep dive. I mean, like I read every article, I read every verse that was on Genius. Um, And to learn like, not only is it intelligent and it's fun and historic, but like, the way that he writes and the layers that are in every single line is so amazing. And yeah, so when it, when it was premiering on Disney, I was hype. And I think we all, like, we had like a countdown to it. And I just, I was really happy to see it finally on stage. And I have to admit, I cried like several times sometimes because the emotion was conveying but sometimes just because seeing what i was seeing it it just got me emotional to see people of color represent the founding of our country to make i mean lynn has a famous quote where he says i wanted to make america then look like america now and there's something about seeing a black you know, Thomas Jefferson, you know, a black George Washington, something about that that makes you feel like you had a part in building this nation too. And just, so there's just such a, a an amazing, uh, like you can't be what you can't see. And for a generation oh, of kids, great. they're going to see as Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and Alexander. You know, it's just, it's so impactful for this new generation to have art like that available to them that's so diverse. I have friends that were not like, you know, where... Yeah, to the point where they're like Googling. I'm like, no, Aaron Burr is not, he's not black, but I mean, <laughs> you gotta, but it's kind of like they just, they wanted to dive into it. People, clearly, if they didn't know like Aaron Burr or, you know, Thomas Jefferson weren't, you know, of color, then they clearly aren't into history like that. So just. They must be watching- confusing Thomas Jefferson with his children. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, it was well. Just the fact that this this play made them want to dive in, made them want to look up things that they never really cared about before, because they already knew that you know, with this country, people of color probably weren't where they 
wanted to be. So just the fact that this this made them want to know more, it it, it kind of just shows you the impact that it has. I mean, I wanted to watch Hamilton in person. Um, and when my brother, he did send me, um, it and told me to listen to it. And like, I, I just always had the, the mindset that I'm going to see it first. I just want to, I want to see it all put together because I know that they can't show everything, you know, or can't have everything in the soundtrack. They had every, every song, but there's still little tidbits that you didn't, you know, you don't hear, um, like you do if you see the play. So once I was able to connect it, like you, you couldn't, can't get me away from it. yeah it's really funny because what everyone was saying about it kind of sparking this interest and in you can't be what you can't see i saw right before this recording i looked uh online because i was doing research for it and lynn manuel retweeted this post of this little asian girl looking at philippa so and she goes look it's me and this girl is like two three years old Aww. and it was just amazing to be like, yeah, that's that's what this is. You are showing children, you are showing not just children, people of all ages, you're showing them in spaces right. they don't usually right. put themselves in. And for me, it was a really big deal because I got the same emotions that I got when I watched Into the Spider-Verse, which was there would be a whole generation of children who could see themselves in history and could see their art and their voices and their style in an art form, literally taking center stage. Um, and I thought that was just amazing. <laughs> um, should we talk about the, the music? I want to talk about the music so long. Okay, before we get started, your first time listening through, what was the song that you couldn't stop singing? Work. <laughs> I'm looking for money at work. I love it. I just can't, I say it now, like all the time. And you got to understand how be satisfied to change my life and help helpless too but only because it's a sin like i was telling people earlier my favorite song is the shula sisters but my favorite part of the play is um helpless and then be satisfied yeah the transitions of this play are just amazing like yes. there are just so many good way where you go like going from helpless into satisfied and you can see the tonal shift and like that in itself is just like oh my god I, like you don't know what you're doing but you know it's about to get heavy and it's crazy and then um the transition from the reynolds pamphlet into, into burn, burn. Oh yeah. my God, that transition is just another one where I was like, I'm just a gas. But His if you're poor talking about life, which, yeah, which song? Um, I would say that Satisfied is definitely one that I like on repeat just because it like it hit a tone for me. And also it has like this sense of humor when he starts off with saying, like, you look like a woman who's never been satisfied. And like the right. levels that that, that hits on. Is that smooth though? Is, is it weird that I always sing that in like a smooth tone? Like, we never been satisfied. <laughs> Just like me. Y'all never been satisfied. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that's what he meant. Like, it's a, it's a come on. It's supposed to be like this smooth talking dude who's like, I see you and I see you more than anyone else in this room sees you. And I loved that. And I loved like just everything that she's saying. Like there's this point where she goes, I'm the oldest and the wittiest and not prettiest. And usually you would say I'm the oldest and the prettiest, but she says wittiest to show that she is, she's like the brainchild of this 
She's the smartest character in the whole show. Exactly. So I just loved that. And then uh, I know you said which one, but I, I can't limit it to one because I will also say that, that part, blend please. of nonstop of everything coming together. Yes. Was yes. just another one where like it, it, it has momentum. It blends like you want a good the montage. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, and it hits every emotional point. It's like a summary of Act One in one song, and it hits perfectly. And then finally, I will say that the Reynolds pamphlet, because it's just like you get this little Wayne style song in the middle of a historic play, <laughs> and it's just it's bumping. It's a it's a bop. I'm gonna go back to when I first heard the album, like when it first came out in like 2015. The two songs that I was singing over and over again were Wait For It, which sounded just like an Usher song to me. Like it, it sounded like Wait For It sounded like the thing that was most likely to be played on the radio of all the songs that I heard. To me, that was my first impression when I got for it. I just kept singing it over and over again. And then Guns and Ships, I was just like, in that same way the Siege was like, they threw a little Wayne. So I was like, this song is dope as fuck. This is just spit and rhymes. Like, this is, I mean, between those and the cabinet battles, like, I just was so happy to see rap celebrated and hip-hop celebrated as, like, a true art form. Like, rap is so easily dismissed as, like, mumble rap or just, like, I don't know, not having the sophistication as, like, you know, other styles of uh, genres of music. But for him to use every kind of rap. I mean, like one of the things that he said was that he envisioned each character as a different hip hop person. So when he wrote Hercules Mulligan, he was thinking of Buster Rhymes. And when he wrote Thomas Jefferson, he was thinking of Ludacris and all these things so that when every person had their own unique flow and their own unique style of hip hop to contribute in a way that like celebrates it all. I loved it. You and I were very much into the rap battles of history series on YouTube in general. So when he set up the Congress meetings as rap battles, we were like, oh, this is killer. Like it was like A1, I'm all about it. And then I looked up something and they were like, it's not just like a revolutionary story about you know the way he approaches it but it's revolutionary in its delivery like at some point in times uh i think they say the average song is like 120 words per minute or something like that and uh renee at one point in time she gets to 200 words per minute and david gets to a part in a song where he sings 19 words in three seconds wow and then you got to put some thought into the letter, but the sooner the better they get your right hand man back. Yeah, it's like it's like ridiculous. It's just like that speed and that delivery, and as you said, the different styles. It's a it's a great musical because it's a layered musical in every sense of the word. Even King George has a British pop song thrown in there. Like everything is covered in this. Yes, yes. he was amazing with King George. It's, it's kind of like the American view of what people might think he would have been like like it kind he kind of gives off this i don't know like stereotype of what an english king would be the way he i don't know goes about so it was just funny to see that and him play into it and you kind of categorize like put him in his separate box although he was crazy from the lyrics of yeah, no. Um, what's funny about King George's songs is they have like a Beatle influence. And that's great because not only are they like, you know, British invasion, which again, history and it's everything that's there, but it's also like this very poppy 
sound that is supposed to be jarring compared to all the rap that you're getting. So you get this old school mixed with, or kind of interrupting the new school, which is why I think it stands out perfectly. And as we said, Jonathan Graff's um, performance is fantastic. I have notes on him when we get to cast, but yeah. And just the idea that there would be a breakup song between countries is brilliant to me. Like that whole mindset of like, like, you'll be back, you know, as soon as you, you'll miss me eventually, like comparing the relationship between countries to an abusive relationship that needed to come to an end in which there's a bitter spouse, you know, who's, you know, shitty about it afterwards. I don't know. It just, to me, it was just such an interesting way to tell history in a way that makes it so much more relatable. I have no idea how King George felt at the end of the American, you know, revolution, but I know what it's like to be dumped and I know what it's like to, you know, be dismissed or rejected. And so it makes it personal in a way that I would have never felt a connection to King George before. When what comes next comes on, like that version of it, as you said, to me, it was amazing and hilarious because first of all, how relevant does it feel right now when he was like, do you know how long it is? Do you know how hard it is to lead? Um, you know, it's just like, you know, you're on your own. Also, wow. <laughs> Do you know what happens now? I mean, like, I thought that all of that just compared where we are right now. When, when your people say they hate you, don't come crawling back to me. Is that not the moment we're in now? Yeah. <laughs> where we're looking at our founding fathers and being like, actually, actually. I like how they, they referred um, you're like you're stepping down I didn't know like a human could do that like it's kind of like according to our four years compared to their dynasty I like that they put that in there yeah just bringing light to like how ridiculous the concept was that we would change our leaders every four years like that how right. revolutionary that idea was was brought to fight with that yeah. yeah I think that what's great about all of these songs is that they really do get you in the mindset of the characters but not just the characters of like the events that they're talking about you know what I mean like I think it it put the revolutionary war in a different way than I would have thought about it or the way that I learned about it and also the idea that we later on betray France by not getting involved in their fight because we just don't want to be, you know, like it feels like a very true betrayal and it puts America in a position that I don't think we really think about when we're just learning our history. I thought that was very important. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to bring attention to one line that I never paid attention to until there's a few things I will say songs that mean more to me now because I had, I was able to see it live and I was able to have the subtitles up. Uh, the first one is the, um, uh, the Aaron Burr song. It's the second one. It's like, pardon me, are you Aaron Burr, sir? That one? Yeah. Um, there's yeah. a part where Lawrence and Mulligan and Lafayette are like, yo, I'm John Lawrence in the place to be. And there's, a, there's the line he says is, two pints of Sam Adams, but I'm working on three. These red coats don't want it with me because I will pop chicka pop these cops till I'm free. I was like, what? We're talking about shooting cops up now? <laughs> It just, it makes it relevant. When you think about Redcoats, if you think of them as the police of their time, then our nation started from a police revolt. Like, it's just so timely by hearing that line in a way I never heard it before. It makes it mean more. Or if, you know what, it's another part, I don't have the, like, the lyrics and stuff in front of me, but it's, I think it's in Harrisburg, where he's saying, like, talk less, you know, more, that part. Yes. But he was like, if you talk less, 
been, you know, people who talk too much usually end up like dead. And then Lauren said something and he was like, for example, and then you don't even know that that is like a, a flash forward about he's going to die. Dying. You know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I didn't think about that either. Yeah. I always love that, that transition of, what he says is those who run their minds off wind up dead. And then Lawrence comes in, what time is it? Showtime. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's, to me, it's the difference between the students in class who are like, I'm going to be studious. I'm going to just keep my head in the book and not try to make anything. And then you get that kid who's always like bouncing on the cafeteria tables who just like wants attention. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he gets he gets in trouble. He does get caught. Uh, for me, looking at the lyrics, one thing that I saw that I never noticed or I interpreted differently was there's a line when Burr is talking about Hamilton and being with Washington, and he goes, but Hamilton still wants to fight, not right. And I always thought it was not right yes. as in not the right choice but when i saw it on screen it said not right as in he doesn't want to be writing everything down anymore and i was like again a brilliant line it's layered in, right. in two different ways uh, i had that same uh feeling when i heard the last number who lives who dies who tells your story um mostly because when i was listening to the soundtrack all i heard over and over again was you know, who's going to tell your story? Who's going to tell your story? But when I saw it with the subtitles and when Eliza's singing, she's saying, who's going to tell our story, not your story? Who's going to tell my story and our story? And in that moment where she's like, can I show you what I'm proudest of? And she talks, starts talking about the orphanage. I cry every time. <laughs> but like seeing it, it's like she's getting her story told too. And one of the things that really escaped my mind until I saw it, and I challenge you guys to watch this again, the, the show ends, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the musical Les Mis. This, the, the musical Les Mis ends with like the main character dying and then the spirits of those who he had interactions with are there to like usher him into heaven, right? I didn't understand that's how Hamilton ends as well. I didn't understand that Hamilton dies and then they all have these white suits on and they're kind of talking to, directly to the audience at this point saying, you know, Eliza telling her story of what she did with the rest of her life. And then it seems as though she meets up with Hamilton and Hamilton walks her to the front of the stage. And she has this moment where she gasps and she cries right before the, the credit, like right before the show ends. Right. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like this whole song was about like what our legacies are going to be and who tells our story. And the end of the musical is Hamilton showing the spirit of Eliza, uh, of um, his wife the musical like showing that like hey decades later someone's going to be telling our story through this musical and her reaction was her seeing the crowd there to hear their story like i wow. lost it when i put that together well you just made me lose it because you just put that together for me <laughs> <laughs> like i the gasp i saw this musical twice this weekend and the gasp the first time i saw it confused me and then the second time i saw it, i was looking for clues for it to make sense and then i it like i remembered les mis and i just remembered like all these musical influences that are tied in hamilton from other shows and it just made sense to me and that gasp was just her like seeing that their story was finally being told that was lost and i was just it was just beautiful i cried Oh, wow. I think that's a great transition into talking about the cast because I've seen Lynn and I've seen Leslie and David, like they're everywhere. But I'm like, I feel that 
Philippa Sue is just the unsung hero. Not only does she carry a lot of the emotion and she's the constant through, and she's a female voice in this really male-dominated story, but she is just a powerhouse who ends the show. You know what I mean? It's like for her to have the final word and the final uh that's who the audience connects to. She's the one who outlasts everyone else. It's such a, it's such a weight and she carries it so beautifully. Like you cannot tell me, I wrote that, um, I, I told someone that burn is the original, sorry, from, by Beyonce. It was like, like her burn is just like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck all of this. I'm out. I ain't it sorry. Felt like the Adele song of the, of the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. It did. The last song talks about how like the only reason that they're even able to tell this story is because of the information that Eliza was able to collect once Hamilton died, that she was the one who went through all of his diaries and writings and published them and made them public record. Like she was the one who collected all these stories. And on Twitter, I saw that someone said like, there's a reason why the musical is called Hamilton and not Alexander Hamilton, because it's the story of this, of this duo, the both of them, not just this, the the male patriarchy. It's a, it's a partnership that really allowed the play to happen. Yeah, that's great. Oh my God, I love that. It's layers, guys. It's layers. <laughs> All right, so I, I kind of talked about Philippa, and I think, again, I think she's fantastic. Do you guys have any favorite cast members, or was there anyone who really stood out to you? I- Renee Ellis Goldberry. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Strongest voice in the show, I'd say, too. Yeah, I mean, well, Philippa has, like, a beautiful, subtle voice. It was soft, but Renee, I think she has, like, she just had a um like like a present. Yes, it was a present. It reminds me of uh Dream Girls with Jennifer Hudson and Beyonce. Like Beyonce's a great singer, but Jennifer Hudson's right. voice in that was just that strength and that that groundness right. that reminded me of the voice differences between the two of them. Exactly. It was kind of like you, you recognize both and you give both credit, but you can hear the, the emotions differently through both of their voices. Yeah, I think Renee, she has one of the fastest songs. She, They were like, she's the only one. She performed this eight times a week for who knows how long. And she was the only one who like never needed a break. She did it constantly and gave the same strength and performance. So that is fantastic in itself. But also she has this attitude and a way of expressing uh through song very subtly like when she says i'm not here for you the whole internet just reacted it was like there was so much in that line like that's like a damn you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i mean come on now what were you thinking sir Really? <laughs> I think the whole cast is great. Like, I, I really yeah. do think upon watching it that everyone gives Anthony a, Ramos. Anthony Ramos's voice is incredible. Like, I'm so excited to see him in, in the Heights whenever it comes out because he's just a star that's, like, waiting to happen. And even in this show, I don't think he got a chance to truly highlight. Yeah, he's so, he has so much personality. The same with David Diggs. David Diggs, co- like, commands your attention every single time he's on stage. I feel and, like David steals the show, if I'm being yeah. honest. Like every time, because what I think everyone else was doing, like everyone else is like, they're in the play, they're trying to make sure they hit their marks. David has this confidence in his role to where he's not worried about what's going on. He is like, whether he's playing uh, Lafayette or whether he's playing Thomas Jefferson, he is full on swagger. He knows what he's going to say next. He knows what he's going to do next. And he's just because of that, he's able to be free in his movement and really have fun with it in a way that 
it was kind of like he was responding. Like it was just him talking to someone. It was very natural and just like familiar yeah familiar like he felt like a character from like one of the hip-hop movies we grew up with you know like it felt like that intimidation that you would see on like a basketball court yeah something like that like it felt more street what'd you say she did i said david ruffin he got that david ruffin energy yes yeah. <laughs> ain't nobody coming to see you otis <laughs> yeah. can't you see him saying something like ain't nobody coming to see you hamilton yeah <laughs> if you don't know now you know <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to Chris Jackson because this is a performance that I think is better in the movie than on the cast album. His performance oh, of wow, um, yes. the Teach Me How to Say Goodbye. Yeah, his live performances, like I've seen him do that live a few times and they're always superior every single time. I said that. I said that he was, I was like, wow, that was, I mean, I know this is Broadway, but his felt real like opera. Like it was real strong and from the the gut. <laughs> the thing about George Washington's character is his character is always on beat, whereas like everyone else is kind of like, you know, has this high energy and all this other stuff. George Washington's character just kind of croons, you know, it's like he's he's strategic with his verse as well as his thoughts. And I thought that was really important. And, and, the, and the way that I was saying before that each character had a rap inspiration, for George Washington, it was Notorious B.I.G. And you can ah. hear that in the way that he uses his vowels and he's just smooth. Now, I'm the model of a modern major general, the venerated Virginian veteran whose men are all lining up. Like, it's so smooth and just, like, flows into each other like honey in a way that, you know, really makes him as an order, like George Washington as a speech giver. You can understand the power of how George Washington gives a speech by the way that Chris Jackson commands the attention, either through his rapping or his phenomenal singing in the movie. Yeah, I will say that uh, that's, that's such a great way. Even the way you said it, having you say it made me think of Big Papa. Like, you know, like, that's just, like, kind of the flow that it had. Uh, I thought that was really great. Yo, one song that I wanted to give props to that I don't feel like gets enough credit is The Farmer Refuted. That's such a dope song. When when oh, Hamilton yeah. is, like, jumping into the the the, the, the speech that the, the King's Man is giving and, like, changing it to, like, instead of, like, an old King song into, like, a... Uh, into a rap number. I just thought that the whole thing was brilliant, the way that that was put together. I don't know what style of music that is that he's doing, and that just might be the genius, genius of Lin-Manuel that he was able to hear, like, you know, a British song from the 1700s and go, I'm going to remix this. But it sounds dope. Well, according to this historian I was following online, Hamilton really did kind of like take that dude's speech and like just reply to it and then publish that reply. So I like, yeah, again, it's like it's truth in storytelling, but you're right. It's, it's, it's a great way. First of all, it's a great way to transition us into just the British element and the British voice that we're about to get, which brings me to Jonathan Groff, who plays King George. And... I have to admit, as like, it feels bad in a movie filled with people of color to be like, I really stand the, the one white man in this performance, but he just kills it. He does That's a right. really great job um, in his subtlety. And something that I found out that I thought was amazing was that his, his entrance, when he walks in kind of slowly and like one foot in front of the other, um, it was done because... The, the crown is very heavy and he needed to make sure it kept balance. It just created this presence 
when he walked in and Beyonce herself, when she saw it, went up to Jonathan Graff and was like, I'm going to steal your walk. That's a, that's a boss ass entrance. And I was like, can you imagine Beyonce being like, yo, I like the way you walk. I'm going to, I'm going to use that. <laughs> yo, speaking of like celebrity endorsements of this, I just like, uh, cause you had just talked about how he took farmer refuted the actual lines and like turned it into a song. He did the same thing with George Washington's speech during one last time. And it moved yeah. Barack Obama when he saw it so much that he actually recorded another version where he is the one instead of Alexander Hamilton, who's reading the speech. And then Chris Jackson begins to sing it. So there's an Obama remix of that song out there because wow. he was just such a fan of the production. He went to see it twice. He had them come to the white house. He ate that shit up. He was just like, this is how we're supposed to teach history to our kids. And I, I can't endorse this enough. Michelle, Michelle Obama, called it her favorite piece of art, period. I mean, I can I can completely see that. I was actually talking to um, a group of teachers anyway, and I was saying, like, I want to, like, I mean, it's three hours, so we can't just watch it, but I was saying, like, I want to just have them sit and watch this. I mean, it would be the perfect way. Because the kids, they, kids today, they just, they love to feel something and to, and and music is, you know, the best way. They always get music. They always find a way to attach to music. So this was just like, I was like, gosh, I wish there was just, they can just go and see it or whatever, because they have to. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I will be playing clips, but it was just like, <laughs> Yeah, I have to. There's there's no way I can live. I have to imagine no. there's going to be a school edit version that that's going to come out because the Absolutely. entire time I, I was like watching it, I was like, yeah, I was I was watching it and I was like, oh, I can just imagine those days where my history teacher comes in just not wanting, like feeling it and just being like, hey, guys, I'm going to hand out a, a worksheet. We're going to watch Hamilton fill in the blanks. <laughs> 1783 equals what? Like, you know, just those kind of assignments that tie to this. Because, you know, we, we did Romeo and Juliet to death. We did, like, the, exactly. you know, the Crucible exactly. to death. Like, I, I hope that Hamilton gets adapted into our education system. It's so much more valuable than some of the other things that it we're is. being forced to cover over and over again. It is. But I feel like with this, like, there, there was a certain, oh, you'll be back. Um, everything the king kind of was, was saying is what I was going to play, too. Like the kids, because the American Revolution is is talked about in fourth grade, but of course talked again in fifth, like a summary. And this is just a perfect transition in a way for them to see like where he left off after the American Revolution. So that's what fifth grade goes into. And I just felt like having Sister King's point is kind of like what what I do with. Pocahontas and Savages, the song Savages, to give them an idea of what the other one thought of the other. So I'm excited about using it. I was saying earlier that um, I feel that, especially like with the um, rise in the attention of Juneteenth and that clip from Blackish that uses kind of like a schoolhouse rock um approach to it i i agree with you where music has always been a way to really connect and stick in people's mind and illustrate um 
big ideas in catchy, memorable ways. And so not only do I hope we get like a revised version of Schoolhouse Rock that covers all of these forgotten pieces. A Lin-Manuel remake of Schoolhouse Rock. I'm here for it, bro. I would love it. But like that, but also I think the idea of teaching through music, the idea that the line, the lyric, immigrants, we get the job done. Do you know how important that is? for so many people of color like it's not just black people it's people of color of all um areas that are part of the american story so much of america is whitewashed and we overlook the contributions but the fact that this entire musical is about an immigrant who came to america and was able to make an impact and his friends who were also minority members coming in and being able to really change history i think is drastically important um right. and not even you know what not even but uh gender too i'm gonna compel him to include women in the sequel work yeah exactly and i love that was another thing for me that was so powerful the inclusion of women in this story and the fact that they're not sidelined like i said by having eliza in the show these aren't characters who are sidelined these aren't characters who are perfect they have thoughts feelings emotions um they're complicated They have a sisterly bond that's a positive sisterly bond. And all of these characters feel really fleshed out. I want to quickly throw in, because you said like seeing like people of color, just like women showing love for each other. Um, If you guys see the, there's a documentary attached to the the musical on Disney+. Plus. Leslie Odom Jr. said that when he saw the show before he was even in it, he saw a story of tonight and saw four brown people singing about love and friendship. And he said, I need to be a part of this in any way possible. Just just from seeing that alone. Wow. Absolutely agree. And I think that that's um, pretty much it. All right. So I kind of need to wrap it up. This has been fantastic. I love it. But um, do you guys have anything else to say about the cast or any fun facts about the the play itself? I love you, Emma. I love you, Renee. <laughs> Something we hit on earlier, but uh, I forgot to bring up. The staging of this play is fantastic. The choreography is wonderful. One, um, I didn't notice this, but they talk about in the after special, they talk about, the choreographer talks about how he has Hamilton stand, when he first sees Eliza and Angelica, they're like, in his point of view, the moment they enter, like they're all in one straight line. And in Helpless, he sees Eliza first and then there's Angelica. But when you re- they do the rewind, he's directly looking at Angelica and you can see it from a different point of view. And I thought that was amazing. Also the idea, the transitions that we do, like I said, we talked about the musical transitions, but the staging transition of um, One Last Time when he goes and he Hamilton goes from writing the speech to Washington stepping forward and giving the speech. It's a great way of acknowledging Hamilton's influence in writing the speech, but also that is delivered and ultimately remembered by Washington. I thought and what's so beautiful about that part too is that when you hear Washington rapping or talking and Chris Jackson singing it, like it, it shows how powerful Washington's voice was able to amplify the words of Hamilton to be something that's so presidential and so legendary. One more thing. I was going to say that I just going back to um, Satisfied. Um, and the, the 
the rewind or whatever. What I like is like in Helpless, a lot of the words that she was saying to her, Angelica was saying to her sister was like kind of like a kid, like you would share them with me too, or um, I'll leave you to it. It was, it was, it was, it was kind of like encouragement. And then when you hear satisfied, you can hear the sarcasm, I guess you could say, like, I'll leave you to it. And like, but her sure. face is like saying something completely different. Like, this is hurting me. And then helpless, you can see that at, at first she's kind of like on her sister's side. But then from her point of view, she's really sad about the whole thing. And you can feel that in the two. What's, what's great about Satisfied and Helpless is that, you know, the whole show is about, like, how your story is different based on who tells it. And Helpless and Satisfied is like a real example of how like this story that you just saw is actually completely different when you hear from the perspective of someone else who was in the room and that's what the whole musical is about in the same room (laughs) uh just a few little things uh that i wanted to bring up since we were talking about uh satisfied and helpless i reminded me of the staging going back to that where in non-stop there's this moment where angelica's leaving and because of the rotating floor Angelica leaves his sight and they kind of pull uh, Eliza into it. And that's just a great imagery right there. This idea that he's connecting with Angelica, but because she's leaving, he has no choice but to listen to his wife at that point in time. The rotating stage is so dope. When they shot Philip and he does that, like, it's like a shot and he like goes sideways and slowly moves in slow motion. They, like, they make him die in slow motion in a live play. And I didn't understand how they were able to do that until you understand like this rotating stage and everything that they're able to do for it. The hurricane is another example of like, he's like, in the eye of a hurricane, there is quiet. And the entire stage is moving in slow motion around him. It's so cool. Yeah, that and then I love that because I was going to talk about just the bullet in general, the idea that you would have a person represent the bullet and it allows you to go slowly through time and you get to be there while, you know, you get to see everything that's going on. They were able to bring cinema to the stage and i and thought that like, was and that's such a that's such a shout out to the company like the dancers and the performers that are in the background who are doing so much one of the things that made such a big difference to me was watching say no to this and seeing that the, the whole company was oh, like yes. no no say no to it like they're like pleading with him they're almost like a greek chorus like commenting on the events of the play as it's happening it's so dope no to this i mean i think i think it's really funny because while i think the first half of the play is so tight and so energetic the second half of the play also has it's just so smart you know like it's like the second half of the play has like these moments where uh say no to this is just like a good old school r&b type he said he wanted to make that sound like a job role in the shanti song that's exactly what like you get from it like and then uh like i said going from that into the reynolds pamphlet like that, that just like boom, 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 you know, like just hitting it. That is such a, it's like a diss track made by a person who, 
who did it to themselves. You know, like, you ever seen somebody ruin their own life? <laughs> <laughs> the auto-tune. Love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, what, one last thing I just want to say. This, this is just a tip. Uh, you said, like, to throw out anything fun or interesting. Um, the actor who plays Lawrence and Philip Schuyler um, and pe- the actress who plays Peggy and Maria Reynolds, they met and fell in love and got married. Aww. Yeah. On stage, like, like, I read, I did read that because I'm, I'm already into him. There's a YouTube video of the proposal <laughs> if you're interested out there. I am interested. <laughs> but yeah, I, I saw that and then I think it was on like the Hamilton page where it was kind of like throwback something or flashback in 2016 when they were doing it or whatever. And you could just see <laughs> them two together. And then it was like one of the people that were in the play was like, you, you would always see them. They look just like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there is some controversy. Not everyone loves Hamilton. Uh, I, I think everyone is entitled to their own opinions. I love it. But if you want, um, just to kind of bring up the other side, there are people who don't feel like um, a white passing Latin X person should write this story. There are people who disagreed with the kind of glossing over of slavery or the plight of um, colored people during this time, or the fact that it kind of paints Hamilton as an abolitionist, which he wasn't. So there are there are people who disagree, and there are elements that don't quite hold up. What do you guys think about that? I think that art is art and in this sense it was his art and he he did it like he put, he got off the message so i mean i'm not i com- i understand what they're saying completely i completely get it but when you're just looking at it as an art form i just feel like he he did amazing he put he did he put the art together very well i i, I was just going to say that the argument that lynn isn't the best person to write this um, when the show is about a person from the Caribbean coming to America, he was like, this is my dad's story. Like, I'm more, and I'm the best person to write this because I know this so well. Like, it's an immigrant story. Like, that's how he approached it. And so I do think that the criticisms of him, I mean, he won a MacArthur Genius Grant. If you have issues with Lynn writing this, then that's just on <laughs> you and your personal preferences. Um, but the whole idea of, like, painting Alexander Hamilton as someone who was an abolitionist when he wasn't, I mean, they do make so many references to, like, you know, Thomas Jefferson owning slaves. And, you know, even there's a part during nonstop where John Lawrence says, um, black and white soldiers wonder alike if, if this means freedom. And George Washington's line is not yet because he's talking about the black soldiers, that they're not going to get their freedom yet. So, I mean, it's, it's referenced a few times, um, but I just don't think the play was also about that. And I think that had, you know, they, you know, this been a three, I mean, if you listen to the Hamilton mixtape, there's actually a third cabinet battle that got cut from the show, which was about them dealing with slavery and what they're going to do about it. Um, and then basically them saying that, like, we don't have the answers to this. We're going to let a future generation figure it out. Um, so it's one of those things that he did try to include more of, uh, the accuracy of it, I can't speak of. Um, but to Z's point, I mean, this is art that allows people to dive into the actual history if they're interested. So I think that's probably the best, um, outcome we could have hoped for for a show about history right right yeah i I absolutely agree uh just some references i want to give the listeners if you guys get a chance um there's a documentary on the history channel that actually does a deeper dive uh called hamilton building america that's uh it's available on youtube right now 
if you want to check it out. It was just, it has Lin-Manuel go into it. It has several uh, historians actually dissect it a little bit more. And I think it's just a great extension piece. Um, also featured in that documentary and someone who did a live watch of the uh, Disney stream is this woman named Joanne Freeman. She is a historian. Um, uh, Twitter is JBF1755. And she just goes throughout the entire play and kind of marks where they got things right or wrong and gives some historical context, which I think you guys would enjoy. And then finally, as I said earlier, if you have not done so, please do yourself a favor and look at the genius page of uh, Hamilton and just learn the layers upon layers of not only the history in each lyric, but the double meanings and the, the hip hop references, the theater reference. Like there's so many Broadway references scattered throughout. There's so many references to U.S. history. Um, you, you know, they taxed our tea. We got frisky. Imagine what gonna happen when they try to tax our whiskey, referring to the whiskey rebellion of like 1782. Like it's so fucking random, the shit that they're able to throw in there. Um, but it all has purpose. And to your point, if you dive in, especially Genius is a great resource of, of pointing those things out. Yeah, one of the things that I loved was the, um, I mean, it's very clear when you listen to it, but in the Alexander Hamilton song, he says, another immigrant starting up from the bottom, which is a reference to Drake started from the bottom, now we're here. And Drake is himself an immigrant who came to America and found success. So like just the way of doing the layers upon layers in history, in music and in uh, art form is fantastic and I hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah, guys, I know this is a, 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 a not our typical podcast. We usually cover Boy Meets World, but this was just such an important piece of art. And we always talk about, you know, what ages really well and the fact that this is about the start of our country and where we are now just felt really appropriate. Um, so I appreciate you guys letting us, uh, you know, talk about something different that was really meaningful for us. And Z, I, I thank you for coming aboard as our guest and sharing your insight as a teacher. Thank you. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Enjoyed it. Do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want people to check out? Uh, Brummie's World. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. On that note, uh, this has been Brummie's World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, a Google Play. Make sure you leave us a rating. Give us your feedback on Hamilton. Uh, you can find us at Brummie's World on all of the places and email us at brummie'sworld at gmail.com. Uh, T? Uh, yeah, um, not only can you guys give us your thoughts on Hamilton, but you guys can join us next week as we dive back into our regularly scheduled programming of Boy Beats World. Um, and, you know, just for one last homework assignment, I'm just going to recommend that you guys check out the Hamilton soundtrack, learn all the lyrics, because I promise you, your eighth listen, you will learn more things about it. <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys. Uh, remember to dream, try, and do good. Don't throw away your shot, guys. Do not throw away your shot. <laughs> Later, bros. Later, bros.